All right, well, this is Panhandle Fight Talk. I'm Paul Torres. I'm Taylor Edmondson. We had about a month off there between the last episode. We did. And uh, just busy time, but there's a lot to recap, plus a little uh, preview for Kevin Gaslam and Jared Cannonier this week. Yep, so let's get started. Uh, first off, um, just going over some of the big fights that we weren't able to talk about, but definitely um, interesting fights. Uh, Derek Lewis, Cyril Gone. that's top of my list. I don't know if it's top of yours to talk about, but... Um, um, you know, I have all the emotions on this fight. Okay. The frustration. Wait, wait, so, so why all the emotions? Why? I love that? Derek Lewis. Okay. Um... Because he's, he's a Texas boy. Because he's hilarious, <laughs> a Texas boy. Just I love that personality. Yeah. You know, he's a. Uh, Have you followed his Instagram feed? No, I haven't. It's so good. Oh, okay. Well, that's a must follow for me. Then. Yes, absolutely. Um, Highly recommended. Oh, but for the first time ever, after round two, they showed Derek Lewis in his corner, and he looked defeated. He looked frustrated. He looked lost. Looked defeated. <laughs> And I knew it was only a matter of time. And I guess the frustrating part is Cyril Gaon fought a smart fight in which where he was in a bad situation, he literally turned his back and sprinted away from Derek Lewis. Every time. Every time. He was tit for tat in there. was killing Derek Lewis with leg kicks. And just... In and out, in and out, in and out, to the point that Derek Lewis couldn't hit him and got frustrated and started going for broke, left himself open, and Gone caught him and ended in the third round. But So Gone is a sniper, and if you look at the two styles, like Derek Lewis is a brawler, uh, Gone's a fighter. Derek Lewis, very dangerous, you know, very, very dangerous fighter. He's got that one-punch knockout power. Um, he is a savage, and... He does have some cardio behind him, so he he can hang out. You know, if if he's going up against someone who wants to just uh, try and wear him out because he's a big guy, then take advantage of him slowing down. That doesn't happen a lot with Derek Lewis. So it's the styles make fights, though. And whenever you have someone as refined as Cyril Gaon coming in, you know he's got a whole bunch of tools in that toolbox. He's got a lot of um, what is it? It's uh, fight IQ. His fight IQ is very high. So when he gets in there, he knows he's got a lot of options. He knows he's not afraid to get within that danger area, you know, get close and then dip back out. Like he, he can get in, get out and, you know, do damage. Um, technically, Derek Lewis doesn't have a lot that he's bringing to the table. He's bringing maybe five different tools, whereas Cyril Gaon's got about 12. Um, Cyril, I mean, tra- and, and Cyril Gaon has trained with the best. I mean, he trained with Francis Ngannou, which is why I'm interested to see what the fight's going to look like between those two. Um but that speaks to the level of the training that they've done is uh, we've seen um, Nganu, his game progress, his fight IQ go up, his ability to stay patient and use the things that he has and have a game plan and stick to it. And I think when, you know, Cyril Gaon was able to kind of keep Derek Lewis from getting in that flow, getting too confident, kept him off speed and uh, didn't. Didn't really surprise me. Um, I'm a huge Derek Lewis fan. I wanted him to win that fight so bad. I didn't think it was going to happen, though, um, because of that. That's why I wish they'd gotten a Derek Lewis-Francis uh, Ngannou fight right off the bat. 
But it would have been – I would have had the same feelings about that fight. And to be honest, I think we would have seen the same results. I don't think Derek Lewis would have beat Francis Ngannou. I don't either. I just wanted to see Derek Lewis in another title shot. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing I didn't like was when Sorogon literally turned his back and sprinted away. That's something I don't like to see in a match to get a title fight. Sure, you're in a bad position, and it's Derek Lewis. I don't want to ever get touched by a pinky of Derek Lewis, much less get punched by Yeah, him. agreed. <laughs> but to turn your back and run multiple times, that's what irritated me in that fight. And gone, like you're saying, highly technical. He's a heavyweight who fights like a middleweight as far as quickness, striking ability, just all-around fighting. But that that's where the frustration comes. Anytime I see somebody turn their back and run... It it's almost like it loses a point in the round for me. I see. Um, I see. I, I see how. I see how that. Uh, how people do get frustrated with that. I don't. I look at it as strategy. I look at it as you know the rules. You know that you're allowed to disengage and make the guy come towards you again. Mm-hmm. And if the other guy doesn't have the technical skill to stop you from doing that, you know, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, you know? it is. And it that's is. one of the reasons why people were frustrated with. Uh, I mean, Izzy. Israel Azania is great at doing that. But Izzy doesn't turn his back and sprint away. He has the some, of the, some of the big guys back off and go. Some of the big guys do resort to that. And I think it's because uh, their lateral movement maybe not as strong mm-hmm. because they do are they do have more weight that they're shifting. Um, but in all honesty, I don't know. But yeah, it's like I said, it doesn't really bother me that much. I think it's if it, it's strategy. Like yeah. if you're able to do it and the other guys are allowed to do it. Then you know, and if you can pull off a win by it, like clearly he's not cowering away from the fight. He's just resetting. He's going, no, 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 my terms. Like we're starting to fight on your terms now. Nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna disengage and we're gonna reengage on my terms. And so that's how he controls the. That's how he controls the fight. I fully understand that. We're gonna agree to disagree on this because I hate seeing it. Anytime I see it, it makes me mad. Makes me frustrated. Because you can shoot on a guy running away from you. Like you can take him down. You can. It just it it's just irritating to me whenever I see it. Yeah, it really is. But so looking ahead, I don't think Gon stands a chance with Nagano. You know he is that way. But if Nagano has that quickness that he showed against Stipe, I here's the thing. I, I agree. I actually agree with that. I don't think uh, I don't think Nagano is going to get beat by this guy. One because he, they come out of the same fight camp, and you always put your best foot forward because you're like those fight camps. They advertise. You know, they want their best fighter to do the best, so they put them out first. Mm-hmm. I think they put Nganu out first because they were like, this dude's he's young, he's a hitter, um, and he's teachable. So they brought him along, and he's now schooled up. He's not going to be intimidated by anybody, let alone someone he used to train with. You know, so, I, yeah, I don't think he's going to beat Nganu. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I think Nganu has a clear size advantage on him. Um, I think Gon is more technically sound, but it's not near the gap as it was with Derek Lewis at all. Um, So also on that fight card, we had the return of Jose Aldo. Yes. And And a lot a fight. A lot of people have had some a lot of good things to say about uh, Jose Aldo. Um, So yeah, like Yeah, so that fight was awesome. All night, we saw the calf kicks and leg kicks going to town. Right out the gate, Jose Aldo had 
checks on those leg kicks all first round. I think maybe two got by that he didn't check and pretty much just set the tone from the very start on what it was going to be. And then that third round, Jose Aldo just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger throughout the fight. It was awesome to watch. All around great fight, but just awesome to watch him come back and do that. So a lot of people have said um, that it's due to him. Uh, the reason he had the fall from grace was because he got knocked out by Connor so hard and he hadn't been beat like that, like I think in 10 years or something. So like his, his, uh, his fighting spirit, like it had been hurt or something and he had to regain that sort of mental edge. Cause I mean, I can't imagine the mental edge it takes to be at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to just get, I, it was one of the fastest knockouts in UFC history. I don't think the fastest, I think, you know, but it was still like, dude, to, for that to happen to him in that fashion, it had to have hurt his ego. And uh, so he had to refocus and do all that. Um, and he changed uh, he changed weight classes. He went from featherweight to bantamweight. You know, he says he feels a lot better at bantamweight. Um, he looks great at bantamweight. A lot of people were saying good things, the tweets and everything that were going on during the fight. Uh, one person that did criticize him was Khabib, who says he's good, but he's his prime days are behind him. Um but then again, that's Khabib's commenting because he looks at it from the point of the way he trains and the way that him and his group, you know, they, they kind of judge things and they know like, hey, you've got your prime and then it's over. Uh, but Jose Aldo's Brazil, uh, yeah. where they're coming from, dude, I, I, don't, I don't think Jose Aldo is above doing uh, PDs in the offseason to get him to the next level, you know. Yeah. Not by any means. And another thing, you know, Jose Aldo's been doing this. He's been a professional fighter since he was 16. Yeah. This dude's still only 34 years old, you know, which is old, but it's still within the striking age. Yeah. To get a championship. Yeah. He's well still within it. It's very possible for him to continue to improve. Yes, it is. And he and changed, and he did change weight classes. So that's, that might help him out a mm-hmm. little bit. For sure, and they were saying he's already in title contention. You know, he was a top contender coming in, mm-hmm. top five contender coming in. I think he was at number five. And now they're saying that he could possibly be in title talks and title contention for the Bantam weight class, which is stacked. Bantam weight class is stacked from top to bottom. Yeah. More so than any other weight class. Um, but that was... A very impressive fight yeah. to watch. So we'll see. Who's he fighting next? Do we know yet? Don't know yet. Don't know yet. Don't know yet. Um, okay. Someone someone ranked. Hopefully. Yes, it's going to be yeah. a ranked fight. Okay. Um, it's going to be a top fight. I would personally like to see Corey Sandhagen. Okay. Um, he's coming That'd off. be a good fight. Yeah. Sandhagen's coming off that loss from Dillashaw, mm-hmm. where we'll get into that in a little <laughs> bit. I'm not a huge fan of Sandhagen at the moment. Yeah. The way he fought that fight. But Sandhagen's still a bona fide top three contender in that weight class. Okay. And if Jose Aldo's supposed to be real and supposed to be a title shot, Sandhagen would be a really good matchup for him. So let's I mean let's jump into that Sandhagen. Yeah. For what, sure. What was in so in your opinion, what do you think went wrong? So Sandhagen tried to just Tit and tat and win by points. Mm-hmm. He would give up his back, let Dillashaw hold him up against the cage for minutes on end, rack up control time, 
We'll let Dillashaw come in, get three or four hits on him, and then we'll land a solid shot. Okay. Um, after the fight, Sandhagen was saying that it's hard to see how you can win a fight whenever you're just a walking zombie in the ring, which Dillashaw was. He damaged Dillashaw like no other, but for the entire five rounds, Dillashaw had the ring control, was pressing the action, and significant strikes were similar enough to where he controlled it. So he may have been hit harder, but he controlled that fight. And that's what won it. And it's one of those five round fights where Sandhagen came on a little later, but Dillashaw made such a good impression in the first two rounds that it kind of carried over into the third round and fourth round. It was a split decision, mm-hmm. but Sandhagen, I think, should have pressed more in that. And instead of letting Dillashaw keep bringing control, keep pushing him back, keep pushing him back. I think that Dillashaw may have gotten beat more as a child than Sanhagen, and so he was meaner. Yeah. And he was <laughs> and, uh, he, and he was able to just go and I think that edge was what happened. Like I saw it at the end where I was like, dude, Dillashaw is a mean kid. Like I bet he was a really mean person growing up. Um and, and I think Sanhagen was like he, he probably got into martial arts to like to deal with some personal demons and to grow spiritually and like be a better person at the end of the day. But he's also competitive and let's face it, you're training, you know? And so I think when he got in the room, I think when he got in the octagon with an asshole it just did, he didn't know how to handle it. He's like, this guy's a jerk. And he's like, yeah, it's a fight. Like, dude, this is, this guy does not like you. And it's nothing personal. He doesn't like you because you're the other guy trying to take his toy. And so he's going to beat you up and not let you take his toy. And I think that's what we saw in Dillashaw. I do think that he – that's why I think Sanhagen couldn't understand because he was like, but I hit him more. By the rules, that means I should win. And Dillashaw's going, yeah, but I freaking ran you around this octagon. I He was dictating the pace of the fight the entire time. And, yes, I do remember he was grabbing him, pushing him up against the cage, controlling it, wasn't letting him do what he wanted to do. He was imposing his will in that octagon and that scores more points I think and when it's close when it is close it's like you know what a real anytime someone complains about losing a decision you can always say you know you could have just handled it yourself and knocked him out exactly like if you want to leave it up to the judges then you're going to toss that coin don't leave it up to the judges knock him out and if you couldn't have knocked him out and he was able to uh, impose his will that often in my mind he won the fight and he did yeah Um, also, there's Corey Sandhagen had nothing to win and everything to lose. Dillashaw had nothing to lose and everything to win. Yeah. And you could see Dillashaw was kind of backed into a corner in a way, and he wanted it more. Yeah. That's what it came down to. Dillashaw wanted it more. And now, on that outlook, Dillashaw's getting the winner of, uh, the winner of that next fight between Peter Yan and Sterling. Aljamain. Aljamain Sterling. Oh, you mean the Peter Yan? Victory that's coming up? Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> we'll go back to that. I'll agree with that. But I, I think so. I think Peter Yan takes that fight, though. Like, I think it's a good fight, but I think Peter Yan beats him. I want to watch it. After no, watching Dillashaw. what I'm Dillashaw about, did to Sandhagen. Yeah, I'm talking about Dillashaw. Like, I think Dillashaw, Yan, uh, I think Yan walks away with it. I don't think Dillashaw could beat Peter Yan. I don't know. I yeah. think he could. Because Sandhagen had such a big reach on him, and that's what did a lot of the damage against... Dillashaw, Sandhagen, still able to connect while backing away, mm-hmm. where Peter Yan doesn't have that reach on him. Dillashaw's a wrestler 
by birth, essentially. Yeah. Who came into kickboxing at a very young age, but started wrestling whenever he was four and kickboxing when he was eight. Dillashaw's been doing this his entire life. Peter Yan has two similar builds. I want to watch that. Oh, I absolutely want to see that fight. And I we've been over this before, too. I cannot stand Aljamain Sterling. I don't think he's a champion. <laughs> you should not win a championship on technicality like he did. Nope. It should be in no contest. Agreed. And yeah. I'm ready for that rematch between Peter Yan and Aljamain like something. It feels like something was like wrong that needs to be righted. It's yeah. like it's like it's like you see it's like when you see one of those patterns and there's like one off, you're like, no, it needs to be fixed. Exactly. And it, if Aljamain Sterling comes out yeah, yeah. and wins, more power to him. Sure. I'm giving it all to him. He is a champion. I just don't see that happening. Absolutely. So moving on, uh, last one really to mention quietly, uh, Uriah Hall, Sean Strickland. Uh, what a what a disappointment. I really wanted Uriah Hall to win that. And I thought he was going to win it because he's got like that old school samurai like mentality. He like bows all the time. And he's like very serious and he's very like – I definitely think he got into martial arts as a way of like building honor as a man. Like he was like this is going to be my thing. He may have watched like the Kung Fu TV show one too many times, you know, so he took it like, but he took it very like, this is my soul, um, which honor, dude, power to him. I mean, dude, awesome fighter. He's taken it to the level, um, to an excellent level, but uh, to lose to Sean Strickland, who I did not think was very impressive before the fight, uh, after the fight, I mean, he beat your eye hall, so give it to him, but then he starts shooting his mouth off about, oh, I just want to kill people. It's like. I, I, I want someone to punch you in the face now. Like I want, I want someone to really knock you out. So I don't know what his next fight is. I wasn't a huge fan of Sean Strickland. I think too many fighters are trying to do the thing where they do the Connor thing, so they say the outrageous thing. They're not good at it. Why wouldn't you do that? Because you look like an asshole. You do, but look what it does for people. Look what it did when for it, Colby Covington. When look it goes what right. it's done for Sean Strickland. You know, yeah, the UFC but, does not want boring fighters. They want people to go out and speak their mind and be that personality to help grow it. And that's what they're doing. You know, Sean Strickland is the American Michael Bisping with less talent. But it's that same chirpy mentality but it that sounds Strickland awkward. has. Like it does, you can tell when someone's been doing it their whole life and it's a part of their personality like Connor, somewhat like Izzy. Um, Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, um, like when, when it just flows from them, you're like, this is their personality. When it doesn't, it looks stupid. And to a certain extent, um, you just, you just mentioned him. What what was his name? Colby Covington. Colby Covington. It doesn't feel genuine. Like he's doing these over the top cheesy antics. You follow his Instagram feed or you follow his Twitter feed. It's all just a bunch of ridiculous stuff, but it's over the top ridiculous I think he's getting better at it the more he does it, but it, and, and it does make for entertaining fights, but he's gotten good at it. Sean Strickland's little, I don't, I'd call it like a tantrum maybe at the end of the fight where he was trying to act like he had attitude. <sighs> Dude, it looked like a four-year-old girl like trying to get attention, just saying the most outrageous shit that comes to their head. And it, it's not, I don't know. Yeah. And, and I don't like Sean Strickland to begin with, so I want to so be in her. It gives you a rooting yeah, yeah. It, interest. It does. It absolutely does. Whenever he does this, yeah. you know, it gives you a rooting interest in the fight, and it makes you want to watch it to watch him lose. Mm. So it works in that way. That's fair. Instead of being like McGregor, where it's like, oh, let's go. This dude's awesome. Yeah. You know, talking that trash. Same way with the Diaz brothers. Just everyone else you said that's good at it. 
That gives you a rooting interest if you want to root for them. Fair. These other guys, you want to root against them, but you're still watching it. And you still have a rooting interest in the fight instead of having an unentertaining fight. You know, and one thing I want to say about Uriah Hall, he dropped down from light heavyweight to middleweight. Since then, he fought an old Anderson Silva in one. Went all of 17 seconds with Chris Weidman before Weidman snapped his leg. And then just got beat by Strickland. Strickland hit him a couple times, and Uriah Hall quit. That's what it seems he's done in the past. That's what it looks like he did in light heavyweight, is if you hit him, he quits. And I like Uriah Hall, but past three fights, especially Weidman, terrible broken leg. Hope he comes back from it, but, yeah. you know, easy fight there. Seriously. And old Anderson Silva isn't an easy fight, but at the same time, it's not where it should be. Yeah. So, it's interesting to see where your eye hall will be after this and what he looks like coming back. Because right now, it looks like if he gets hit, he's done. Okay. And Sean Strickland, his next fight's against Luke Rockhold. That's going to be a fun one. I'm ready to watch Luke Rockhold kick his face in. Okay. That's what I want to see. All right. Right there is Luke Rockhold kick that face in. But it's like we're talking about. I have a rooting interest, and I'm definitely going to watch it now. Okay. Because of his stupid antics. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So uh, for the upcoming uh, UFC, we have a fight night on Saturday. Uh, it is Jared Cannonier versus Kev- Kelvin Gastelum. Um, and then, honestly, like that's the main fight, but that's not the fight I'm excited for. We got some. We got an OG going at it in Old Clay Guida. Dude, um, he's part of the reason why I became a fan of UFC. Him and Forrest Griffin, they have it. Yeah. That one fight with Diego Sanchez and Clay Guida. Yes. The end of round two. Yes. Where they're just standing face to face, no form whatsoever, just swinging, swinging wide just and as hard as they can. Haymakers and the that, last fifteen seconds going to town. And Clay Guida's hair is just everywhere. Everywhere, blood <laughs> running everywhere. It's not Clay Guida unless he loses a liter of blood. It's such a, it's such an iconic fight in UFC, and it like I don't even really remember the result. I just remember that clip. It's burned into my skull of those two standing toe to toe and just dog fighting it out, just going after it. Yeah. It's awesome by far one of the greatest yeah. fights of all time yeah and whenever i think of fighters who are never out of it it's clay guida it's, it doesn't matter you aren't going to finish clay guida no and it you aren't going to finish him no and he's going to give you everything he's got and then another 150 percent on top of that Dude, he's he is a dog he will go in there and swing on anybody until they're both exhausted and it's awesome so that'll be a good fight yeah. and he didn't get an easy draw with either, either with mark madsen Mark Madsen is an Olympic wrestler, three-time Olympian, mm-hmm. three-time medalist, 10-0 right now, heavily favored against Clay Guida. Granted, Guida's old, fighting his 53rd MMA fight. Madsen just now got into MMA, but I never count Guida out. I think Mark Madsen is probably going to take it, but I don't see how this is a negative 165 betting line right now with Mark Madsen. Um well, Guida's old and a lot of the a lot of their ability to fight and stand toe to toe is the ability to defend the takedown and if this dude's an Olymp- if Mark Madsen's an Olympic level elite wrestler, 
uh, he will be able to take Clay Guida down. Now, if Guida, if Guida still has the reflexes and the abilities to stand back up, which he was famous for, that's why he could keep things on his feet. Because he would sit there and just throw, 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 throw. They'd shoot, and he could pop back up and then just keep throwing. And so that made for awesome fights. If he's able to do that against Mark Madsen, awesome. Uh, but if he's not able to... I mean, if Mark Madsen's able to hold him down on the mat, I could easily see Guida getting frustrated, gassing on the ground, coming in like round two or three and getting hurt. Yeah, and Guida's one of the best not fighters hurt. off his back. Not hurt, just, you know, rocked. Yeah. Like, I could see him getting rocked because he is going... Dude, that dude's going to gas after the third round. Which, yeah. Which, thir- I mean, it's a, it's not the main event, so it's a three-round fight. Co-main. It's three. Oh, if it's co-main, it's Five, I thought. I believe it's a co-main. Of course, UFC's website is a little... Okay, well, I'm calling last. I'm calling third round Guida starts showing signs of fatigue. Yeah. Uh, either either way it goes. Um, and Guida's notorious, too, for letting himself get taken down. Yeah. Fighting off his back. Yeah. And letting the other guy tire himself out. So... He does that. So, yeah. you know, it it's a very interesting fight. I, like I said, I think Mark Madsen... Has the clear edge here, but I hope Clay Guida wins it. I really do. Um, and I'm also excited about this main event between Kelvin Gastelum and Jared Cannonier. So Cannonier is another one of those light heavyweights that's dropped down. Mm-hmm. His first first three middleweight fights, he wins by knockout. First, second round knockout. Last fight goes the distance. Against uh, Robert Whitaker. Okay. Gets his arm broken against Robert Whitaker. You know, Robert Whitaker is. Tough break. I mean. Yeah. Robert Whitaker is the 1B in that class. He's the only one who stands a chance against Izzy. Exactly, was what I was going to say. And, yeah. Gasolum, he's been on a rough stretch ever since his interim title fight. Yeah, and Gasolum, I mean, he's tough, but he's been beaten. So it's not like he's got this aura about him where he can't be beat. Um, he has a big left hand. But he's he's still vicious. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't quit. These past two fights, um, the last fight, he stepped in against Robert Whitaker. Lost in decision. But he stepped in last minute for Paulo Costa while Paulo Costa's out doing whatever Costa does. Eating waffles. And then this one, Gasolum stepped in for Paulo Costa again. And I can respect that. I like Gasolum. I like that he's willing to step in and fight no matter what. And... He's had a rough stretch. If he loses this one, he may be out. And for that reason, I think Gaston's going to take it. I think Cannonier's coming back from a broken arm. Okay. Missed time. I think Gaston has his back to the wall. Doesn't have the ring rust that Cannonier's going to have. Whether you believe in ring rust or not, after Dillashaw and me should take. But I think think Gaston's peaking right now where he can make a comeback and get a quality win against number three ranked Cannonier and save his UFC contract, okay. save his job. All right. So um, that gets us to uh, we're doing picks now. So because we haven't really been keeping track of the picks, and I'm glad. And uh, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I, I, I know. Uh, but so I I had the idea we need we need to not necessarily have a bet but like a challenge that we put up so that whenever. Um, you know, there's some consequences for being wrong. Like, other than just bragging rights. Uh, we, we think on that. More to come. Yeah. Know? Like, we think on that. We don't have to come up with one right now. Um, I do have a few ideas. They're definitely things that are going to be embarrassing. Maybe some, uh, 
you know, some, some things in public that might need to get videotaped, in which case we'll send a link and... Yeah, you know, you know, as you long know. as it happens away from tastefully. our church family, tastefully. Yeah. we're good. Tastefully. Yeah, tastefully. Exactly. That's the key. Well, I mean, it, it'll be kept in mind. Like, if I wouldn't want yeah. someone to um, watch... You wouldn't want to do this. Exactly. Like, yeah. I, would, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to put something online that's going to get me in trouble later on down the road anyways. Um, so I wouldn't want to post something right now that I wouldn't want to show, like, a junior high or high school kid. Well, what we could do is we could get... For those of you that don't know, Paul and I help out Wednesday nights up at the church. Yep. We've got a group of eighth grade boys. Yeah. And I know they would love nothing more than to give us shaving cream pie or whipped cream pies to the face. Each one of them just walk by and one after another. Oh, no, no. That's, to the too, loser of the that's, year. that's too tame. I'm talking about like eating a ghost pepper. like. No, uh, I'm not doing that. Well, that's, that's good incentive to be right then. Well, I guess, but... Okay, but, the, but even that's tame. Yeah. Even that's too tame. Like that's not imaginative. Because oh, it's goodness. just eating a ghost pepper. Like that's come on. Like people do that at restaurants. You know, yeah, that's fine. That's just internal bleeding. No, that doesn't happen. It could. I mean, anyways, we'll we'll, we'll think <laughs> on it. So, but for now, so for the upcoming fights, we've got. Uh, oh, and then for tonight or Saturday's fight night, we have Parker Porter and Chase Sherman, um, who. So that's those a heavyweight bout. Those are the top three fights for now. We'll just do the top three fights. Yeah. Um, eventually, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, and we don't have a no challenger bet for today. So I'll there just, we go. I'll, I'll make a note there of that. There we go. So, no, so no are we going to do it on a weekly basis, or yes. are we going to do a season? Uh, we'll do. A, I don't know. Let's think about that. Okay. We'll brainstorm. Okay. We'll feel about it. Yeah. About it. So uh, for this upcoming fight. Uh, Jared Cannonier versus Kelvin Gastelum. Who you got? You got Gastelum? I'm taking Gastelum. All right. I am. Uh, uh, Clay Guida, Mark Madsen. I'm taking Madsen. Madsen, okay. And then Parker Porter and Chase Sherman. Parker Porter. You're taking Porter? Yep. Okay. So I'm all the same for you except for Sherman. I'm taking, I'm taking Chase Sherman. So Jared Cannonier, Kevin Gastelum. I'm taking Gastelum. Clay Guida, Mark Madsen. I'm going with Madsen uh, and just because Guida's so old. Like, I'm going to love watching him fight. I don't think he's going to win. Parker Porter, Chase Sherman, I'm going with Sherman. Cool. So I like it. Very, will, very interesting yeah, so far. Yeah, so we will see how it goes. Yeah. And uh, let's see. I think that's it. Okay, so, so how did the local up, fighters do? Uh, they did not do well. They did not no, do both, well. Both, that's unfortunate. Both of them lost. One of them, uh, so Chicho, who fights out of the grind, uh, he had a three and professional record against another guy's three and professional record, and he got. Um, did he get submitted? No, I think he lost in decision. He made it all the rounds, but he lost in decision. It was. Um, he was fighting off his back a lot. Um, so I don't, and I don't know. Like I, I don't know. There was at one point he was giving the guy a hard time, you know. But by the third round, it was very clear that the other guy was in control. Um, and there just wasn't much he could do. So, I mean, they're, they're young fighters, you know, they've got a, he's got a lot of developing to do, you know, so it's interesting. And then John King, uh, yeah, he didn't win. Mm. So that was rough, but, but that's part of the fight game. It's not, if you lose, it's when you lose. Nobody's ever been undefeated in what they're doing, unless if you're the greatest to do it in Habib. Yeah. Um, Adesanya even has a loss. It's out of the weight class, but a loss is a loss. Yeah, you know it happened. The greatest to do it lose. Chuck Liddell got caught and lost. Yep, 
So, so uh, big upcoming fights. We've got Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. I'm looking forward to that one just because I'm a fan of Volkanovsky. I want to see that dude knock people out. Um, and then Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler. Both guys past their prime. Both guys known for banging. Um, Nick Diaz is a fighter. Robbie Lawler is a brawler. I mean, you know, they're going to they're gonna both come in with a boxing background. And, I mean, Robbie Lawler has had one of the most messed up faces I've ever seen in the UFC after a fight. Like, the dude's lip was, like, behind his ear. Like, it was awesome. And he's sitting there smiling. Like, he's sitting there just grinning. Um, that behind the ear was an exaggeration. But it did look like he had gotten his lip split so hard, it was like he had a hair lip. Like, it was... It was his face was busted open. It was definitely and he was, gnarly. And he was laughing. I was like, dude, this guy is a savage. So and that, Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler, I mean, they go back. Yeah. I don't know if they're still as heated towards each other like they were twenty years ago whenever they first fought. Sixteen years ago when they first fought, but it's gonna be fun to watch. The fan in me is very excited about it and I I am I'm pumped about that one. Um, the Brian Ortega fight and Volknowski fight. I'm excited to see that one. There's a lot of black, bad blood there. Um, I'm about to binge this recent season of The Ultimate Fighter. I never watch it episode by episode because I like to watch it all, all at together. once. All right. I'm a uh, Netflix generation kid, I can, so I can respect that. That's uh, <laughs> what I do. But yeah. I'm ready to binge it. But knowing the personalities leading into the season, I cannot wait watch this fight um it's going to be a whole lot of fun especially with the return of the ultimate fighter this being the cap off of it uh i'm excited for this one 266 is going to be fun it's going to be a lot of fun cool cool all right so i guess that wraps us up for this week um thank you for listening um once again i'm paul torres i'm taylor edmondson all right so thanks y'all for listening and we out